0: Hello there, and welcome to the first episode of The Month in VC, our new regular podcast on all things venture capital in Africa. Each month, we'll take you through all the recent goings on from the world of VC on the continent, introduce you to investors, and dig into key themes and trends from the industry.
1: We'll be doing that alongside key partners who'll be lending their expertise to help us better understand the growing African venture capital space. Many thanks to Catapult, Grindstone Ventures, and Kalon Venture Partners for making this series possible. And we'll be hearing from representatives of those companies very soon.
0: We hope you enjoyed the first episode of the series. And as ever, if you have any suggestions for topics or want to get involved yourself, please don't hesitate to reach out.
1: We'll start with all the relevant news from the last few weeks. Here at Disrupt Africa, we recently released the eighth edition of our annual African Tech Startups Funding Report which found 2022 to have been a record-breaking year for investment in African tech. More than $3 billion flowed into more than 630 African tech startups over the course of the year, up 55% on the previous year's figures.
0: Great news then, as startups on the continent raised increasing amounts of capital at a time when investments globally, especially in riskier asset classes such as VC, are on a decline. We'll dig further into these numbers later in the episode, and also discuss whether African tech can continue to weather the global storm in 2023. So far, so good, however, with more than 40 startups having banked funding so far this year.
1: The biggest round was in Egypt, where fintech company MNT Halan raised an extraordinary $340 million round of debt and equity funding. The company is in the process of raising an extra $60 million that would value it at over $1 billion, making it part of Africa's small but growing unicorn club. Egypt also saw rounds for healthcare startup Yadawi, which raised $16 million, marketing platform Gameball, which secured $3.5 million, and energy startup Calm Solar, which banked $3 million.
0: South Africa had a relatively disappointing 2022 from a funding perspective, according to our report, but it's certainly begun 2023 with a bang. Car subscription company Planet 42 raised a 100 million US dollar round of combined debt and equity funding, credit company Lulalend raised $35 million. gaming startup Carry First took home $27 million, and Insurtech platform Naked raised $17 million. There were also rounds for online security startup Sendmark, e commerce platform Yebo Fresh, breakdown management app Right Now Response, and prop tech startup Flow.
1: A strong start too in Nigeria, where digital identification platform Smile Identity has raised $20 million. There are also rounds for the likes of agritech startup Relief, insure tech platform Curacell, clean tech startup Sunfee. Ghanaian logistics startup Jetstream, Kenyan FinTech Quara raised 3 million, and Ethiopian talent marketplace Gabea raised a pre-Series A round.
0: African tech startups then are still very much on the funding trail. And the amount of money available to them is on the rise too. Partech, the global technology investment firm, has announced the first closing of its Partech Africa 2 fund at €245 million, Euros, or 262 million dollars, already above the target fund size.
1: Born in San Francisco 40 years ago and now headquartered in Paris, Partech is one of the most active global tech investors in the world. Partech Africa is headquartered in Dakar, Senegal, and focuses on Series A and B equity rounds in startups which are using technology to transform areas such as financial services, commerce, education, mobility and healthcare.
0: In each episode of this new monthly podcast, we'll be focusing attention on one individual investor, learning about their company, their background, and their investment ethos. This month we caught up with Philip Gasatura from Catapult, the Rwanda-based but Africa-focused accelerator and venture capital company. We asked Philip to give us some background on Catapult and how it came to be. So Catapult was started uh, about
2: 2016-2017, and the founder is a Talent Nostat. Um, who really believed in his mission to mobilize capital and talent towards impact and kicked off with the accelerator programs out of Oslo. Um, And the model really is an accelerator program with a uh, VC cohort funding for each of the companies that we do accelerate. And we have now at about uh, 10 vintage funds and have invested in about 165 companies across uh, the world. And in Africa, we've invested in 38 companies.
1: The company has a relatively unusual focus when it comes to the verticals in which it invests.
2: So initially, the first focus was in ocean and climate. Um, And as it expanded, uh, last year was the kickstart of a third vertical, which was uh, wholly dedicated to Africa. And really in this focus is around climate and food. And uh, our focus is really at the early stage funding, so pre-seed, seed level. Are really great spots uh, that we like to invest in and support companies through our exit program uh, and also see how we help them in terms of the scale. So uh, we've been in the continent um, and we are very Pan-African. And we've invested from as far as Morocco to uh, Nigeria, Ghana, um, and even into Uganda and Kenya. And that's where we see our play being over the next couple of years.
0: Catapult then is clearly seeking to create significant impact while also turning a profit. But do the
2: two go hand in hand? I think the mission at the core of catapult is we certainly believe in profit because of impact, and we see there is an opportunity to do business in this space. Um, and now, even with the uh, the trend around climate, I think uh, catapult has been at the forefront in climate uh, early stage investing for a number of years, and it's great to see more come to um, come to the forefront. And I think uh, while we are unique in this space, uh, I think there are others who still play this role and. Quite frankly, I think it's exciting to have others play because you see more capital and talent directed towards this, uh, towards the impact space uh, where they can do business.
1: Are there any catapult portfolio companies that are especially exciting and impactful?
2: Yeah, in, in, in our current portfolio companies, I think there's uh, some in the in Nigeria. I would say this crop to cash uh, complete farmer that's uh, right now doing a Series A round. Um, in the climate space, we've invested in a uh, wind uh, wind blade maker, Braveful, out in Cape Town, um, and others in the energy space uh, up in Tunisia. So quite a number that uh, do stand out. Um, others that we do across the globe are, again, we don't shy away from hardware, so we've gone into the hardware in the energy space as well, um, from solar panels on the ocean, uh, out of the ocean. So there are quite a number of them. But what excites us as well is being able to take the, some of them. We are the first uh, check-in, but we are quite adventurous to try out. And we see more of these happening, and they're looking at how we bring the thing to to Africa. Who are the firm's limited partners? So um, we uh, the vintage funds were more high-net-worth offices, family offices out in uh, Europe and the Nordics. Uh, in the last two funds that were more dedicated to Africa, Uh, The one out of Mauritius was uh, more the corporate ventures uh, and conglomerates out of Mauritius that invested in that one. In a more recent one out of uh, Rwanda, we had uh, the DFI North Fund, but also the pension fund uh, here in in Rwanda, uh, alongside other family offices and and, uh, high net worth individuals as well.
1: Why the decision to base itself out of Kigali?
2: Um, apart from me living in a beautiful city, uh, I think uh, Kigali has a lot to offer in terms of just being able to get connected to anywhere in, in, in uh, on the continent. But also there is a bur- burgeoning financial center that offers uh, look, they're looking to be a, um, a financial center onshore. And they offer quite a bit of uh, um, incentives, the networks here. Um, and that's why we were keen to try this out. Uh, but also being able to reach both the Rwanda sits between East Africa and West Africa. It's smack in So it's quite easy for coordination for even for an investment team as well. What does Catapult bring to the table beyond Simply Capital? I think that was at the core of where uh, Catapult kicked off. It was we'll how do we support companies to start to think through their long term? Uh, many of the companies that we invest in are really at the cusp of just getting through their PMF. Uh, and uh, we come into support at that point where we're helping them think through their kind of growth uh, and we've been able to work through that, even from contextualizing here in in Africa. What does that growth strategy mean? Because uh, I'm sure, you, having traveled the content and covered the content, you realize Africa is rather different. There are many markets, fragmented and small. So we're helping them think through that one part is part of So growth is integral to the accelerator program. The other one as well is their investment strategy, and not just the investment readiness for the next round, but also looking and thinking. In the next three to five years what does that strategy look like how do you start things through up to a series b and we sort of help them to craft that through and not just as a founder but the entire founding team to be aware of that and finally because at the core of what we do is is impact we would like to uh, enable other companies to see their role in, in having impact in society and on our planet through what they do through their businesses So that's where we support them, um, most of our companies through.
1: That's Catapult then. But who is Philip Gasatura? And how did this Ugandan come to be living in Rwanda and investing in African tech startups for a living?
2: My background is in investment banking, where I did uh, about 12 years in the UK and mostly on trading floors. And uh, before I packed up my bags and moved back to Kigali, and where I moved into entrepreneurship, tried my hand at that, and it was real... Eye opener into the challenges that entrepreneurs on our continent face and uh, more recently before joining capital I was advising government of Rwanda who was setting up uh, one of the first government-backed uh, venture capital funds um, so that's where I come from and uh, I like to think of myself as someone who's really uh, interested in growth
0: of startups not just in Rwanda but across the continent as well. Does having an entrepreneurial background help make you a better investor? I think it does offer a lot. Um,
2: one, you can understand the constraints, but also think through um, in terms of the challenges that they're having. Um, but also from a perspective of both the investor as well as the, the entrepreneur, you're able to help join the two. Um, and ask for your understanding because the, at the end of the day, the investor would like a return. And at the end of the day, the entrepreneur would like to grow a successful business. And so having that background does help. Uh, particularly understanding the kind of challenges that uh, are faced uh, on our continent.
1: Focusing on food and climate tech is a novel approach, but Philip believes it's the correct one and one that has plenty of potential for scale.
2: When I moved back uh, to, to Rwanda in 2012, um, I was doing a venture um, in the dairy space. I think back then it would have been called an ag tech company. And I think Back then, there was actually no venture capital at all. Uh, I remember visiting every uh, VC and PE house uh, focused on Africa, but they wouldn't touch it. Today, it's really exciting to see more of that come in. Uh, and we've, at Catapult, we've been looking at a number of companies uh, in our deal flow process. And it's exciting to see the solutions to the challenges uh, come through. Uh, and to me, that's, that to me is exciting. To see that when I came back, there was almost a zero, and then 10 years later, we're seeing, as you've reported, uh, over $5 billion U.S. billion coming in annually. That, to me, is exciting. I think the next frontier where I would see more exciting is in the moving from the investments to actually seeing and more companies start to scale outside their markets. So getting more companies coming from Kenya, going to Zambia, or Zambia to Nigeria, and just seeing more of that, that, to me, is the, is the frontier, the scale-up side. What challenges are most commonly faced within African tech startups in his experience? At our stage, one of the biggest um, challenges we see is in the founding teams. Because you're sitting back as, a, as an investor looking and saying, is this the team that can actually get you to five, 10 million revenue uh, annually? And sometimes that skill is not there um, because we've got a lot of great product developers across this continent. We've got amazing ones. But understanding that a product, It's not a business, and you need to marry the business side of things and actually drive a business. And so I think that's the the gap in terms of the ability to have what I call teams, growth growth teams within the companies, help them scale. Um, How do you get from, let's say, Kenya into Tanzania? What does that even look like? Going to Southern Africa? Now, that's something that I think the multinationals um, who have deeper pockets are able to do because you can go into a country and hire the right talent which is something, a gap that most startups uh, have at the moment. So that, that that's one we, we, we see because when you're looking at the kind of growth levels that we, we're looking for in, in BC, it's difficult to see how you can get it without having a multi-country strategy beyond just the um, the sort of uh, ways where a where startup uh, start, has started.
1: And what does the future hold for Catapult?
2: We're starting to see certain sectors get quite deep, uh, and that's why, as the report came out, you've got FinTech and and, uh, Cleantech sort of attracting the most. So there's some depth uh, in there, and you're starting to see more corporates play a a role. Um, I think for Catapult Africa, we're looking at uh, investing through investing in companies, uh, and they're taking them through our Accelerate program. And uh, over the next four to five years, we're looking at investing between 60 to 80 companies. Um, and high-quality companies. And so that's where we're looking at for the next uh, couple of years. Does he have any particular goals for the future development of the space? Personally, I think would love to see more um, African institutional capital um, enter this foray. And so I'm excited that uh, we were able to have uh, the of Pension Fund um, be one of our LPs. Uh, my ambition is to see more of that local capital, um, see this as a viable asset class Obviously, we're going to have to see a bit more exits, uh, so that we can, so that the the industry itself can show that look we've taken from origination through to exit. So that I think is uh, uh, what what we need to start showing. But for me, the ambition is to see more more private capital into this one, but also um, see where we can support companies through not just getting their first check, second check, but also seeing them get into scale ups where they are in multiple countries or so on, building really strong teams and creating the opportunities. Uh, in those
1: markets. As we said at the beginning of this episode, our recently released African Tech Startups Funding Report tracked 633 African tech startups that secured investment in 2022 raising a combined US$3.3 billion. US. This represented significant growth, though smaller than the previous year.
0: Amidst a global downturn, one would have been forgiven for expecting some levels of stagnation in 2022. So why is African tech bucked the global trend? Philip Garcetura from Catapult says it's growing from a lower base, firstly, but also says there are aspects to the sector that are deeply attractive to global investors.
2: I think where you've seen a lot of those who've uh, taken on more in the Series A or the for the higher rounds, I think those kind of companies, and we've seen a couple of them, out uh, of Nigeria Niger and Kenya, I'll, those I'll speak to, where they're able to attract better talent to join the teams. And so that's giving a bit more confidence to the uh, uh, later stage investors in terms of adding into that one. So Teams is quite critical and the, the caliber of the teams. Now, in terms of would we why has Africa sort of bucked the trend, I think... First of all, coming off a, a nascent uh, stage, this is a very early base. So um, when you compare it to the rest of the world, yes, it is the growth is there, but in terms of volume, we're nowhere compared to. And I think the opportunity um, that Africa presents over the next, say, 10 to 20 years is is huge because you see a shift, one in the demographics, one in terms of the urbanization and just the tech adapter adoption is, is huge. And so you're seeing more, Investment into that space uh, because the its not you're not just solving for a challenge or you know, investing in a challenge for today, but it's also for the next five, ten years. And I think that opportunity Africa offers, and so I, I don't think uh, I would uh, put my nuts uh, on it stopping. I think there's more opportunity um, going forward.
1: Catherine Young is managing director of the South Africa-based Grindstone Accelerator, a program aimed at high-growth startups, and Grindstone Ventures, a post-seed pre-Series A fund. She also sounds a note of caution with regard to the numbers, but hopes Africa will continue to buck global trends.
3: There were a lot of deals at the end of 2021 that flowed over into the first quarter of 2022 that we had to close out on and those were real and it was still um, going well. The fact that we are off a lower base is the reality in terms of percentage measures, but we have still seen the activity. But of course, in in the sense of the global bigger picture, Africa is still much smaller than the rest. But the growth has been there because of, uh, firstly, as I said, the deals that flowed over specifically in our worlds um, in that first and second quarter. Um, and then uh, towards the third and fourth quarter, it slowed down a little bit, so it'll be interesting to see what comes out at the end of this first quarter for Africa. But there is still a very much a general hope and, uh, and a belief that um, there is still much opportunity. The fintech, um, although it's slowed down as a category overall, fintech is definitely still looked at in, in Africa. We're seeing a lot of activity coming through on logistics. We're still seeing a lot of activity and interest coming through, uh, global interest coming through on health tech. So um, it will continue to go, I'm sure, and I'm hoping that we will buck the same trend um, as we built our base for the year ahead.
0: Philip does, however, think 2023 will
2: be more challenging. I would, I would see a bit of a slowdown investment-wise, uh, particularly because the, 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 the pools of capital or the LP's majority are still outside Africa. Um there is still an interest from, from the LPs, uh, particularly in the, the DFI space. Um, and that. But I not see that uh, actually grow. Um, I think uh, the world all over, we've sort of seen the reports and uh, also in terms of what's happening in the US having an effect all, all over. I think the companies that do make it through say the next 18, 24 months, are those that are just going to focus on customers and, and generating cash. That to me is what I, what I, what I would uh, put my bets on. In terms of uh, are there still going to be opportunities to invest in in this period? Absolutely. Um, and and the, the cream starts to rise to the top, uh, I would say.
1: There were at least 987 different disclosed investors in African tech startups in 2022, up 28% on the 771 tracked in 2021. These investors vary in shapes and sizes, with the most active being early stage funds, such as Launch Africa Ventures, Lofty in Capital Management, and Future Africa, while major global investors such as Tiger Global, Sequoia Capital, and SoftBank are also increasingly active. Catherine says this is an important development.
3: We have been very excited about that. And I believe that us making the first couple of clips onto the wonderful unicorn list has really um, started to shine a spotlight on, on, on Africa more. We, we're truly excited about that because the, uh, we need that global focus to continue to come in. The point is that we need to just continue to show the robustness um, of our compliance, the robustness of our governance. And it's very inc- incumbent on the whole of the ecosystem, actually, um, to make sure. I mean, there's been so many debates ar- around that, but really just to make sure that our governance compliance is absolutely intact. Um, and, and I believe strongly believe that the, the global capital will continue to flow.
0: Aside from the overall growth in funding and the increase in investor numbers, another positive revealed by the report is that there is a continuing trickle-down effect as the percentage of funding going into markets other than the Big Four of Nigeria, Kenya, South Africa and Egypt slowly increases. In 2022, Big Four startups raised 80.8% of the annual total, down from 92.1% in
2: 2021. But is that significant? I, I think it is because um, I don't think it's it's a lack of uh, talent across the continents. It's a lack of opportunity, and I think one of the biggest challenges some of the startups um, face is, is is market access. Funny when we were looking at what we do in at Catapult is some of the data that came through is a lot of what you see out of North Africa and South Africa. The a good number of startups are in the hard or research, out of research and development with a strong IP. Whereas what you see through Sub-Saharan Africa is still very much solving for the problems in Sub-Saharan Africa, which is markets and connectivity. And so you see the main uh, the startups are in the marketplace or in the fintech place. And that's terms where, you were, where where it is. But in terms of um, where we see this uh, going, I think there's still opportunity for the smaller uh, countries. particularly if they can see the startups from there finding route to market in larger markets.
1: More than half the funded African tech startups from 2022 took part in some form of accelerator or incubation program either prior to raising or as part of their raise. This marks a sizable increase from the previous year with growing interest in African startups from international accelerators such as Y Combinator and Techstars accounting for much of the growth. But how helpful is taking part in an accelerator when it comes to securing venture capital?
2: I think it plays a role. It is not the all in and all sort of silver bullets, uh, but it does play a role in providing some education um, as to how companies can actually start to think about their growth and something about their investment. One of the biggest complaints from a lot of investors is they come into Africa say where the investment invest deals and uh, they don't find them and then they invest uh, the startups saying where's the money? And so there's that chasm in between the two. So these uh, actually programs sort of play that role sort of all right, let's get on the same page here. So I think there is a role uh, that they have to play, um, but also uh, absolutely funding is needed, uh, particularly in these early stages. Um, But I would not say that they are the in all and end all, but they do play a critical role in in the growth um, and mindset change for some of these startups. A major negative emerging from the data is the clear
0: evidence that African tech's gender problem is only getting worse. Only 20.2% of the 633 funded African tech startups in 2022 had at least one woman on their founding team, which is up from 121 the year before, but still represents a percentage decline from 21.5%. Catherine says there is no real excuse for this.
3: There are a couple of reasons that are often cited. There's not enough pipeline. There's not enough quality pipeline. Um, the, the startups are just too early stage or um, they don't have the, the right skill or, or whatever the case may be. I think the reality is that we have found that pipeline is definitely not the issue um, in any way um, or f- form or fashion. And the quality of the female founders, are that's not the issue either. The lack of gender
1: diversity is especially disappointing when it's clear that it just makes good business sense to have a diverse portfolio of investments.
3: Why on earth would we not want to, as venture capitalists, have a more balanced view in how we go and source for deal pipeline and how we go and Put the composition of our investment committees together in such a way that it is balanced, and then how we not make really robust, balanced decisions, uh, not not based on the gender um, only, and, um, and 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 work with the bias.
0: Grindstone Accelerator last year partnered Nasper's Labs to launch Grindstone X, an all-female accelerator program designed to make women-led startups more investable, scalable, and exit-ready. Proactive programs like this can play a part in fixing the problem, Catherine says.
3: Sometimes it is a case of just reverse engineer the composition of the of the of the cohorts in things like accelerators in recruitment, and we just literally get on with it, and we try and for the next number of years get the imbalances balanced, um, and go and recruit these these female startups. They are there. They're they they are absolutely brilliant across the continent and um we've got to just do that it is intentional it needs to be a meaningful intention to do so and then really just um a lot of ch- changing the the shape and the look and the feel of our ICs make those much more balanced um and then also literally change the look and the feel um of um of of, of our mentors of our coaches etc cetera, etc cetera, to be able to to manage this the problem is definitely one that can be overcome um, but it really would take a very meaningful intention over a sustained period of time uh, five to ten years to to get the balance right and then we all are more profitable for it and make more money i don't see the problem with that
1: food for thought there from a gender diversity standpoint but unquestionably 2022 was another excellent year for African tech startup funding here's hoping Africa can continue to buck global trends in 2023 and as we heard earlier the sector's off to a strong start
0: we hope you enjoyed this first episode of the month in VC a new podcast series brought to you by Disrupt Africa in partnership with the lovely people at Catapults, Grindstone Ventures and Kalon Venture Partners we'll see you next time bye
1: bye